are listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Hey everybody, Pastor Dan here. Before we get started today, quick apology for the quality of the scripture reading audio this week. We had some technical issues. The scripture reading is a little hard to understand. Uh, The sermon audio is fine, though, so it'll clear up in in a minute or two. Uh, But if you want to follow along with the scripture reading for this week, our passage is Romans 5, 12 to 21. Thanks. Hi, my name is Brian Carter, and I will be doing the reading today. Our scripture reading for today is Romans 5, verses 12 to 21. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned. Sin was indeed in the world before the law, but sin is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses bring justification. If because of the one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion and life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. Just as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. But the law came in, and the result that the trespass multiplied. But when sin increased, grace should abound all the more. So that just as sin exercised dominion and death, so grace might also exercise dominion through justification, leading to the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks for that reading, Brian. As many of you know, if you've been following along with these online worship services, we are in the midst of a teaching series looking at the book of Romans. And last week we started a brand new section of Romans, Romans chapters 5 to 8, which is basically this extended unpacking of Paul's view of salvation. Paul spent the first four chapters of Romans talking about sin, basically diagnosing the problem of what separates us from God. And now in this next section, Paul zeroes in on the solution. How has God made salvation possible through Christ? And the title of our sermon for today is Jesus is the New Adam. You've heard of Orange is the New Black or 60 is the New 40. TikTok is the new Instagram. Well, Jesus is the new Adam. 
We actually had a sermon on this very topic way back in March. You can go back and watch this sermon if you want. It was our very first sermon in this online format, you know, back when coronavirus first hit. Remember that? Yeah, we we were doing our Metaphors of the Cross series for Lent, uh, talking about different ways Christians have understood Jesus' death through the centuries and how, how it saves us. And back on March 22nd, in our very first online worship service, I preached a sermon called Jesus, the New Humanity, or Jesus, the New Adam. Because as we know, Adam is the Hebrew word for humanity. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to repeat too much content from that past sermon. You can go back and watch that for yourself if you're interested. Um, although I was super tempted to just copy and paste that message and see if anyone would notice. Not going to do that, though. I am not going to do that. There is enough good stuff right here in Romans that we should be able to dive into this passage and hopefully pull out something new. So let's get into it. Romans 5, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned, sin was indeed in the world before the law. But sin is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. I'm going to what now? (laughs) Welcome to the latest episode of What the Heck is Paul Talking About? I mean, here, in what I just read in, in three verses, Paul touches on sin, death, the law, Moses, Adam, most of which is coming seemingly out of nowhere. So let's break things down a little bit. Let's make it a little bit more digestible if we can. And to do that, we've got to start by talking about sin and death. In the ancient world, especially in ancient Hebrew consciousness, there was a strong connection between sin and death. It was just understood, it was taken as a given, that death is an effect of sin. Most ancient cultures had a story about a primordial state of perfection, this like ancient paradise that existed in the beginning, where there was no death, no suffering, no pain, no tears, until something went horribly wrong and everything fell apart. Every ancient culture has a story like that. Think about like the opening of Pandora's box or uh, the story of Adam and Eve eating the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the story Paul is drawing on here in Romans. It was just understood in the ancient world that sin and death were connected. There's a link between the two. If it weren't for sin, we wouldn't have death. Now, as modern people, we struggle a bit with that idea. We struggle to really understand the connection between sin and death. We, we struggle to even recognize it. And that's partly because due to like modern science, geology, archaeology, we now have a much 
older view of the universe. I mean, dinosaurs died out like millions and millions of years before human beings even existed to sin in the first place. So a lot of people today have a really hard time with the connection between sin and death. Of course, you do have some circles in the church that believe that the earth is only 6,000 years old and that you know Jesus was riding around on dinosaurs, which would make a pretty awesome movie, but uh, probably not the most historically accurate. But the thing we shouldn't do, the thing I want to make sure we don't do, is I don't want to lose the wisdom of the ancient world just because we now have an older view of the universe. At the heart of the Adam and Eve story and this connection between sin and death is the understanding that sin changes things. Sin alters the structure of reality on like a a, a molecular level. Sin is a destructive force that drives a wedge between God and creation, resulting in broken relationships, chaos, and even death. We would have a fundamentally different universe were it not for sin. That's what the Adam and Eve story is getting at. This reveals to us that death is not God's intention for the world. Death is not God's intention for us. Death isn't something that we just have to grow up and learn to accept as part of the way things are. Our tradition teaches us that death is an enemy that will one day be defeated. In fact, there's this great scene at the end of the book of Revelation, the very last book in the Bible, which gives us a glimpse of God's final victory over death. It's in Revelation chapter 20, after the final judgment, we get this fantastic scene where death and Hades are condemned by God and thrown into a lake of fire. It's like the most heavy metal thing ever. (laughs) But the Bible ends with this vision, this promise really, of death dying and Hades, or hell, going to hell. I mean, how cool is that? But we're not there yet. We're still here in the present, and as long as death persists in creation, we are to take that as a sign that things are not yet the way they're supposed to be. So when Paul talks about sin entering the world through Adam and death exercising dominion, That is what he's getting at. And in the context of this discussion of sin and death, Paul also talks about the law, the Torah, the law of Moses. In Judaism, which was the religion of Paul, the way you deal with sin is you follow the law. You keep Torah. Live according to God's laws. Follow those commands and regulations and you'll be okay. You'll have a roadmap for avoiding sin. But Paul makes a very astute observation. Death, which started with Adam, was not erased by Moses and the law. I mean, people still die, right? Death 
persists in creation, which shows us that even under the law, sin has not been dealt with. The law might help us avoid sin, It might be a solid guide against sin, but as long as death has the final word, there is still a fundamental gulf between God and creation, a gulf that the law is not able to overcome. Does that make sense? That's what Paul's getting at here. The law is great. The law gives us instructions about pursuing wisdom and living as God's people, but the law can't save us because the law doesn't uh, overcome the fundamental gulf between God and humanity. For that, we need a new Adam. We need someone who can represent human beings before God, just like Adam did, without making the same mistake as Adam. Jumping back in at verse 14. Death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many." And the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If because of the one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. Or to put it all much more succinctly, Jesus is the new Adam. In verse 14, Paul calls Adam a type of the one who was to come. Adam is the beta test. He's a prototype created by God in anticipation of the final product. And Jesus is the final product. Jesus is the real deal. He's Adam 2.0. Humanity as it would exist in perfect union, and harmony with God. Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, puts the pieces back together. He fixes the problem of Adam. Overcoming our brokenness, our broken relationship with God, the earth, other human beings, ourselves. Jesus conquers sin and sickness. He brings order out of chaos. And the evidence of all that is the fact that he rose from the dead. Because if sin alters the nature of reality, so does resurrection. What was once impossible is now possible. 
What was once irreparably damaged and broken has now been healed. That burden of sin, which was once insurmountable, has now been overcome through the empty tomb of Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Good. I heard you all the the way from home. Very good. Now, if Paul stopped there, like that would be enough, right? Jesus is the new Adam. That is fantastic news. But Paul doesn't stop there. He says a bit more. And in fact, Paul goes on to explain that while Jesus is a type like Adam, Jesus stands in for all humanity before God, just like Adam did, Jesus is a much more powerful type. Jesus' power to heal absolutely dwarfs Adam's power to condemn. This is what Paul means when he writes that the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. What Paul is saying is that with Adam, you have one person's sin trickling down to affect everyone else. If you start with an imperfect prototype and you don't fix that initial problem, then that imperfection, that mutation, is going to filter down to everyone who comes after. But with Jesus, you have one person's righteousness, one person's sinlessness that overcomes and redeems the sin of everybody else. This is why Jesus is a more powerful type than Adam. With Adam, we started out with with one bad apple, and then everything that follows is bad. But with Jesus, God introduces one good model, and that model, that new type, fixes everything else. This leads Paul to write in verse 18, Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. Side note here, this is what has led some Christians to embrace the hope of universal salvation. The hope that one day everyone might find peace with God in Christ. Now, personally, I'm not a universalist, but the reasoning based on this one verse makes sense. Just as Adam's trespass led to condemnation for all, so too Jesus's righteousness leads to justification and life for all. That sounds pretty universal. And it's funny, I've I've actually seen debates between Christian universalists and Christians who hold to like a more traditional view of hell. And when they get to this verse, the more traditional Christians are basically arguing that when Paul says all, he doesn't really mean all, which is problematic. But at the risk of making that exact same mistake myself, let me tell you why I don't think Paul really means all. And it lies with what Paul says next. We'll start in verse 18. 
Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. But law came in with the result that the trespass multiplied. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Great verse. So that just as sin exercised dominion in death, so grace might also exercise dominion through justification leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now in verse 18, Paul uses the word all or pantas in the Greek. But in verse 19, he uses the word many or poloi in the Greek. And pantas and poloi basically mean all and many respectively. So it's a, it's a pretty good, straightforward translation. And there is an argument to be made that in Greek, these two words might be more synonymous than they are in English, whereas we think of like all and many as being different. But I really think that whole argument, that whole debate, just misses the point of this passage. Paul is not talking about who goes to heaven and who goes to hell here. He's not speculating about the eternal fate of every person who ever lived. Paul is talking about two different ways of being in the world. Two different ways of living in relation to God. There's the way of Adam and the way of Christ. Prior to the resurrection of Jesus, we only had one path, sin. And sure, you could navigate that path, especially with a tool like the law. You know, you could try to avoid sin. You could sin less often. But in the end, the destination is the same, death. Whether you live a good life or a bad life, whether you follow the law or break it, we all die someday. So it feels pretty pointless. That's basically what's going on in a book like Ecclesiastes, where, you know, the, the, the teacher in that book is wrestling with that seeming pointlessness. Prior to Jesus, we were stuck on one path, this path that was leading everybody to the same bleak destination, death. But the resurrection changes things. Jesus' defeat of death on the cross changes the fundamental structure of reality, just as sin changed it before. So whereas before there was only one path, the way of Adam, now we have a choice. We can follow the way of Adam, the way of sin and death, or we can follow the way of Jesus, the new Adam, which is the way of grace and life. Or as Paul puts it, just as sin exercised dominion in death, so grace might also exercise dominion through justification leading to eternal life. The question we should take away from this passage is not who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. It's whose kingdom, whose dominion are we going to be part of? Are we going to live in the dominion of sin and death? Or are we going to follow the way of Jesus into the dominion of grace and life? 
This is where this seemingly abstract passage where Paul's talking about the law and death and Moses and Adam and Jesus, this is where it all becomes way more concrete and practical. What kingdom are we going to be part of? When it comes to how we live our own lives, how we treat our neighbors, how we treat ourselves, how we treat our bodies, how we do business, how we raise kids, how we use our resources and our gifts, how we vote and participate in society, how we, how we structure the world and relate to the least of these, are we going to persist in the dominion of sin and death or are we going to embrace the dominion of grace and life? Are we going to strive to be more like Christ, loving our neighbors, loving our enemies, finding God in the least of these? Are we going to deal with the ugly stuff in our own hearts, the the things in our lives that are driving a wedge between us and God? Are we going to invite the Holy Spirit to transform us and make us new? Or are we going to remain stuck in the way of Adam? following all those same destructive patterns and habits that lead us to hopelessness, sin, and death. If you want union with God, if you want to be transformed and made new, if you want peace in your life and new relationship, you need a new Adam. And Jesus is the new Adam. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of new life that is ours in Christ. Thank you for sending Jesus to be the new Adam, overcoming sin and death so that we might have life. Help us to live into the kingdom of grace that is ours through Christ and let grace invade every aspect of our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.